0: Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see you all.
1: Smiling faces. See Miss Billy's back there. Jesus, come, Lord, that, that we would be changed, Lord God, that we have an encounter of you this
0: morning, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for your goodness. This morning, Lord God, yes, let us experience your love this morning, Lord God, not just this morning, but, but throughout the rest of the week, Lord, yes. Lord God, Every every day, every, every morning we wake up, Lord God, let us turn to you. Let us recognize that, that you've made a way, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. That, Thank you, Jesus
1: that through you, Lord, through the cross, Lord, we have no need in our lives, Lord God. Every every need that we could ever have has yes. been met in the thank cross you, and by the cross and through the blood oh, of Jesus and the finished work of the cross, Lord God. You are
0: our strength, Lord yes, God. Yes, it's in you yes. that we find our peace, that we find our joy, Lord thank God. It's in you Jesus. that we find uh, that we find fulfillment, that we are content you. through you, through the cross, Lord. The Lord is my
1: shepherd, and I shall not want. I you? lack nothing, Lord Jesus. You, Jesus. We lift you up this morning, Lord God. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. Let's worship. you that your love yes, can set us free Lord I thank you that you have come your love came for us when we rejected you when we didn't know you we didn't care anything about you your love came for us Lord and I thank you so much for that Jesus you came born of a virgin lived a sinless life and you gave yourself for us you took upon yourself our sins Our sickness and our sorrows and our guilt and our shame took it upon yourself so that we can have this relationship with the Lord God Almighty. Thank you, Lord. We don't deserve that. We can't earn that, and yet you have poured it out freely, Lord. We thank you for that. Thank you that you have made this available to all of us, Lord. You invite everyone to come. Those that don't know you those that haven't said yes to you, Lord, I pray that today you would stir them, that you would change them, Lord. You would make them know that there is a place at the table for them. There is yes. a place that they can come and be part of your family.
0: Thank you, Jesus.
1: The place that we can all be part of your family, Lord. Yes, sir.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
1: Thank you that you've made that available. Thank you, Lord, Jesus. I pray that you would speak to each person today. As we as we continue to worship you, Lord, I, I'm asking that you speak to each person here, that every person would hear from you, Lord, from your word, from, from the songs that we sing, from uh, our greetings to one another, Lord. Every part of this service is an opportunity for you to speak to people. And I pray that you speak, Lord, to each person. We need to hear from you, Lord. We don't need to hear from a preacher. We don't need to hear more information. We need more of you.
0: Yes, thank you. Jesus.
1: I'm asking, Lord, that you reveal yourself to us today. Pour your spirit out. Show us. Show us who you are today, Lord. That we would see you as you are, not, not just in some way that we've always thought about you. Because so many of us, Lord, we, we have a bad perception of who you are. Thank you, Jesus. I want to see you as you are, Lord. Not, not confused with... Uh, all of my bad impressions of who you are, but I want to see you as you truly are, the God who is a loving God, but also a God who is holy and righteous. And there is a judgment that awaits those that don't know you, Father, and I pray that you reveal yourself today so that we'd see you as a God of love. We would see you as a God of peace and a God of hope, and a God of redemption that can change all of our Miserable circumstances and rottenness in our lives and you can make us worthwhile to you, Lord. I thank you that you do that, Lord. You you come and you take all of our unworthiness and you make it acceptable to you. You heal our brokenness. You forgive our sin. You cleanse us. You make all things new. And Lord, I thank you. You don't nitpick me, and you don't dredge up all that stuff from the past. When I think about it, and I try to bring it up, you just remind me that my sins and my iniquities, you said you remember no more. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you that you have chosen to not remember our failures and our rebellion. You've chosen to remember that we are redeemed, that we're washed and covered by your blood. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you. You made your peace available to us. It's available to us today, right now. We can have peace.
0: Thank you, Jesus.
1: Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As Carol plays that, I want you just to take a moment in your own heart, your own words, and just talk to the Lord and say, Lord, Show me. Show me who you are. Reveal yourself to me. is with us. You are revealing yourself to us, Lord, and I I thank you for the time of refreshing that we have in your presence. We come together as your people and we lift our voices in unison and we lift up and exalt your name. We give our praise and our worship to you and we give our love and our thanks to you, Lord, that you come, you dwell among us like No other time, Lord, when we're corporately in your presence, it is such a special time. And I thank you, Lord, that you are here this morning. You're refreshing us. Yes, Jesus. I pray that you continue to do that, Lord, as we go through the rest of this service, that your presence would remain, that your word would come alive to us, that we would hear from you. Yes, And I don't want to go out here today like I came in. I want to go out changed. I want to be different, changed by your presence, changed by your word changed by the truth set free so I can know you and walk with you like, like I did uh, never never experienced before Lord I want to know you in a new way I want to experience your presence I want to have that encounter with you as John prayed earlier Lord that, that I would be changed because of my encounter with you today thank you Lord thank you Lord let it be in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus. Amen. I'm going to talk about knowing God as Jehovah Shalom. And just I'm never uh, ceasing to be amazed at how God is so good. I don't ever tell Eddie or anybody what we're going to be talking about. John was you know, I mean peace came up over and over and over again in the songs and and all the things that we're doing. Look at there. Look at there. You just never know, see? It's better than it was. So I got a chance to practice this whole peace thing this morning a little bit because, you know, when stuff is not going right, you start thinking about it and you're getting a little anxious and it's like, nah, it's no big deal. Just fake it, you know. If you don't know the words, just hum along. If you come all the time, you know most of the words anyway. I was sorry that we had a new song this morning and we couldn't see the words, but uh, it was pretty easy to catch on to the chorus anyway. So, knowing God is Jehovah Shalom. Shalom is peace. And where, where this occurs is in Judges 6. I'm going to read majority of the, of the chapter because it, uh, it, it sets the whole context. And scripture, all scripture is true, all scripture is applicable to our lives, it, it's uh, valid, it's relevant, but you do need to read things in context so you understand why God said or did something or why things happened the way they did. And so I'm going to read this passage of scripture to you and then we're going to talk about it. And you can follow along in your outline; it'll be something like the outline. I don't promise it to be exact, but um, so Judges six begin in verse one. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So this in Judges, by the way, you know they it was kind of like a roller coaster. They would do bad, and then they'd get miserable, and they'd cry out to God, and He would deliver them with a judge, and then then they'd start doing wrong again. Well, they. They got, uh, they got off track. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens and the caves and the strongholds which were in the mountains. So it was, whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up and also Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. And they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number. They would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, It came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel. He said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt, brought you out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you. And I drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also, I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was at Ophir, which belonged to Joash the Abizarite. And while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you. You mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, O oh Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Where are all these miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least of my father's house. The Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Then he said to him, If now I found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat, unleavened bread from an ephah flour. He put the meat in the basket and he put the broth in a pot and he brought them out to him under the turban tree and presented them. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. And the angel of the Lord put out the end of his staff that was in his hand. And touched the meat and the unleavened bread. And fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord, and he called it. The Lord is peace. Jehovah Shalom. To this day, it is still an offer of the Abizrites. Now it came to pass that same night that the Lord said to them, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper man arrangement, Take the second bull and offer it as a burnt sacrifice <clears throat> with the image, or with the wood of the image you shall cut down. So Gideon took men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, there was the altar of Baal torn down. The wooden image that was beside it, it was cut down, and the second bull was being offered in the altar which had been built. So they said to one another, who has done this thing? And when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. So then the men of the city said to Joash, bring out your son that he may die, because he has torn down the altar of Baal, because he has cut down the wooden image that was beside it. Joash said to all who stood against him, would you plead for Baal? Would you save him? Let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him plead for himself, because his altar has been torn down. Therefore, on that day, he called him Jerubbabel, saying, Let Baal plead against him, because he has torn down his altar. Then all the Midianites, the Amalekites, and the people of the East gathered together. They crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel, But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew the trumpet, and the Abizarites gathered behind him, and I'm going to stop reading right there, but I want to make some points to you. You notice that it's a reoccurring theme that God's people backslide. They turn away. God shows up, he saves them, he delivers them, and then they get fat and lazy, Things are going good, and they start, you know, relaxing, and they begin to compromise a little bit, a lot like we're doing in our country right now. You know, we've enjoyed success like no other country, and then we're beginning to get lazy, lackadaisical. And there are forces at work that are, that are taking away our freedoms and our liberty, but we're, we're just watching it happen. And the church, the body of Christ, is, is not much better. I mean, we we see all the things that our culture is doing. And many churches are just inviting it right in and saying, you know, we'll accept you. Come on in. You don't have to change. You don't have to be any different. The danger is that you lose your freedoms. By the time you lose your freedom, then you become desperate and you have to and you have to do something really radical. If you just protect your freedoms, if you walk with the Lord and you don't walk away from the Lord, you enjoy His favor and blessing and, and you don't lose out. But the children of Israel, they were kind of slow to learn that. And so over the years, time after time, they would turn away from the Lord and begin to worship the idols, begin to worship like the, the surrounding people. Same thing that we do as, a, as the church here in America. The culture begins to accept things and do things. And then we start saying, well, if we want to get people in, you know, we got to, we got to accept that. We got to, we got to compromise. We got to, that's not what God wants us to do. We're supposed to be different. That doesn't mean we're not supposed to love people. It doesn't mean we're not supposed to accept people. You know, I, I love and accept everyone. But, but I'm not going to say that sin is okay. I mean, sin is not okay. And there are things that we are doing as a culture that are not okay. So Israel turned away from the Lord, and they were experiencing his judgment. And all this passage that we read, all the different things that were happening, it sets the context for for what we're going to talk about this morning, about peace. God is peace, and he wants to bring peace into everyone's life. He wants to bring peace into, into his body. And peace in the biblical sense, it's much more than just the absence of conflict or or that things are going well, that you're not anxious. You know, a lot of people think being peaceful is just the fact that you, you know, you don't have stress. Peace in the biblical sense, it means it's a sense of well-being in every part of your life. I mean, that God's favor is on your life and you're experiencing well-being in every aspect of your life. Not just the fact that you're not worrying about something. Not just that you're not having conflict with your next-door neighbor or somebody uh, or, or having a problem that you can't resolve. Peace is it's a well-being for every part of your life. And it only comes from God. You can't have that peace. Any, any other source will not, cannot provide that kind of peace. You can have a respite from your problems. You can have a respite from your pain. You can have a respite from some other issues, but you cannot have true peace apart from God. You can, have, you can have happiness, you can have some success, you can have a lot of things, but you can't have peace. It comes from a right relationship with God. So, in this story, and in your outline, we're going to start out by talking about life without God. The Israelites, they were worshiping Baal. They were not worshiping the one true God. And so they were, they were living their life without God. I mean, they, they thought they were worshiping a God, but they weren't worshiping the God. And so they weren't really doing anything. They were deceiving themselves. So a life without God, there is no life. Think about this. So it was, whenever Israel had sown, that the Midianites would come up also, Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth. They would leave no sustenance for Israel. They would come up with their livestock and their tents coming as numerous as locusts. Without number, they came to enter the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of it. Without God, you're not going to have any peace. You're not going to have any life. I mean, you may think you're living. I mean, you may be breathing and you may be going about your business. But you're going to be just like like the Israelites. You're going to be without sustenance and you're going to be impoverished and no matter what you do, your circumstances and your situation is not going to really improve. You can put a band-aid on it, but you're not going to solve it or fix it. There's no sustenance without a life with God. Haggai 1.6 says you have sown much and you bring in little you eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put it into a bag with holes. You ever you ever done that? You ever earned wages and put it in a bag with holes? Been there, done it? I mean, you work, you work, and you work, and you're doing the best you can, and it just seemed like no matter what you do, problems keep coming and your money just keeps going and you can't get ahead you can't get it resolved and it's because something in your life is out of order in your relationship with God and he is allowing all that stuff to happen to you because you've you're not in order if your life is in order with the lord he has promised to bless us he's promised to give us his favor he's promised to provide for us if your life is not in order then you're going to be trying to do it all in your own strength. And when you do that, you're not going to be successful. John 10 10 says, A thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. It's exactly what was going on here. The Midianites and all these Amalekites, people were coming in. They said they were so numerous you couldn't even count them. Coming in like locusts, eating up everything, destroying everything, messing everything. That's what the devil does. No matter how hard you work at it, he just messes it up. No matter how much you do, he destroys it. No matter how much you plan and strategize, he is trying to wreak, wreak havoc in your lives all the time. That's what the devil does, and he does it through multiple sources. Sometimes it's a direct attack from him. Sometimes he uses people or circumstances that you don't have any control over. You're greatly impoverished. Ephesians two twelve. Love this scripture. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's what greatly impoverished is all about. When you're separated from God, you're not part of his covenant plan, you're not part of what he is trying to do in this world, then you're going to be impoverished, you're going to be struggling, you're going to be suffering. You're going to be doing without, and you're going to work and work and work, and you're going to be putting everything into a bag with holes, and you're going to be frustrated because you're not walking in that covenant relationship the way that you ought to. When you're walking in covenant with the Lord, you have hope. You're not without God. Being without hope and without God in this world is miserable. It's miserable. It's miserable. You try and do everything to make your life happy and successful, and it's just miserable. But when you walk with the Lord, He brings His peace into your life. You begin to see who He is and that He is part of your life all the time. It's not not just you against the world and you trying to do all this. It's you trusting the Lord and His provision for you. It changes everything. Without God, there is fear. Verse 2. The hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because the Midianites and the children of Israel made for themselves dens and caves and strongholds in the mountains. They were hiding out, fearing for their lives. They were, they were living in holes in the ground. And even the story we read about Gideon threshing wheat in the winepress, he was doing it, hiding. He was hiding out, down in a hole in the ground, trying to, to hide from the Midianites so they wouldn't get his little bit of, of wheat that he was threshing. Your life will be filled with fear. If you're not walking with the Lord, you're going to be fearful. You're going to be fearful of of losing your money. You're going to be fearful of losing your health. You're going to be fearful of losing uh, relationships. And I guarantee you, whether you admit it or not, you're going to be fearful about your eternal destination. You might not be thinking about it that way, but you fear death. And the reason you fear death is because you don't know what's going to happen. When you don't know the Lord, you're not walking with the Lord. Without God, there is fear in your life. And it, it makes your life miserable. It bondage, torment. 1 John four seventeen through 19 says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. See, you're not afraid of judgment if you know the Lord. Have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. He who fears has not been made perfect in love and we love him because he first loved us. And I'm, you know, all these accounts, you read about God showing up and revealing himself to people. God is the one that initiates all of those encounters. Now, it says that the people cried out. But he initiated it by allowing them to experience the pain of rebellion. They're the ones that caused the problem. And he said, okay, you walked away from me. I'm going to let you see what your life is like without me as your God. And he just, he pulled back his provision and protection and said, okay, you just, this is who you are. You want to do it on your own? Do it on your own. See how that works out. And when they cried out, he said, okay, I'm here. He came, brought a prophet to, to tell them why they were suffering. And then he, he, uh, he brought the angel of the Lord and, and uh, revealed himself to Gideon. God is always initiating it because he loves us first. We think we love him, but it's always because he loved us first. It's always because he initiated it. When Adam and Eve sinned, God came looking for them. When we sinned, God comes looking for us. God sent Jesus to come for us. God always initiates it. It always begins with him. We may think we're initiating, but it's always him. He loves us. That's why we can love him. There's also not just bondage and torment, but there's retribution. That means you're going to get paid for what you do. Payback. Payback can be a real pain sometimes. Ephesians 5, 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. And you can go back on your own and read that couple of verses above that. But it talks about, it lists out all the things that people do that are, are sin. It talks about I mean it lists them out. And it says, For these reasons the wrath of God comes on sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light. Romans six twenty-three. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. If you don't have God in your life, you're going to have fear and you're going to be fearful of retribution. You're going to be fearful about the things that are going to happen to you when you face death and judgment. Because there's going to be a payment. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. You can't earn eternal life. It's a gift. But you can earn death. The Wages of sin is death. John three thirty six. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, but he who, who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. If you don't know the Lord, if he's not part of your life, you may not realize it, but you're walking around with the wrath of God abiding in your life. That means all the bad things that can are going to happen in your life because you have opened yourself up to that. You have said, Lord... I don't need you. I don't need your provision. I don't need your protection. I don't need your peace or your mercy or your love. I can do it all on my own. And when you choose to live that way, you are living in the wrath of God. And when you die and depart this life, you're going to find out that there is a God and that he is real and that judgment is real and that wrath is going to be poured out on you and your life is gonna be miserable throughout eternity. It's a long time, forever and ever and ever. I hope that no one in this place would ever have to experience that. But I know we all know people. We have friends, we have loved ones, we have coworkers. We know people that don't know the Lord. that song that Dan sang I talked about the fire, you know, pull me, pull me from the flames. You know, and because we are appreciative of, of what God did for us, we ought to be trying to pull other people out of the flames too. I mean, we ought to be, we ought to be so passionate about the good news because we have the answer that everyone is looking for. You know, they may be miserable and they don't know why. We know why. They may be afraid and we know the answer to take away their fear it's all accomplished in jesus christ and what he did on the cross and it, and we can share that with people and we can help them find the way to come out of the darkness and come out of the bondage and the torment and the fear and begin to walk in the love and peace of the lord we have a great opportunity life with god so <clears throat> Israel was greatly impoverished, but they cried out, and the Lord sent a prophet to them. And he tells them, he said, I, I did all this great stuff for you before. That's what life in God is all about. He said, look, you were in bondage in Egypt 400 years, and I delivered you. And I did, it, I did it miraculously. I set you free, and I brought you into this great, wonderful land. I set you up, laid it all out for you so you could have a wonderful life and be prosperous. But you've but you haven't obeyed. God has a plan for us. If we just walk in his plan, things are going to be so much better in your life. If you walk on your own plan, uh, you're you're gonna struggle. We need to be doing things according to God's plan. We need to obey his voice. In this in this encounter Gideon had with the Lord, the angel of the Lord is uh <clears throat> It's, it's one of the things we would call a theophany. It's a big word, theophany. It's, a, uh, it's an appearance of God in a real personal form that we can see. So when God appeared to Abraham in the burning bush, I mean, it was a burning bush, but it was God. And Abraham knew it was God. That was a theophany. There's also what we would refer to as a Christophany. Which, in this case, the angel of the Lord is almost always that because it is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. A pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. And it happened on a number of occasions. And we know that it's, that it's the Lord. But it's an angel of the Lord, but we know it is God because he receives worship. Angels don't receive worship. And when an angel appears to someone, they try to worship. No, no, no! Don't do that! Don't do that! But the angel of the Lord allowed them to worship. It was a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. So Gideon, he has, he has this experience, this encounter with Jesus, and he says, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you an offering. I want to make sure that this is really you. It's really God. And so let me, let me give you an offering. And so." angel of the Lord said, okay, fine, I'll wait. And I would just suggest to you that all of this stuff that we're talking about, it, it begins with an offering. I mean, it begins with an offering of some sort. God offered Jesus for our salvation, and we have to offer something. We offer our lives. We don't have to work or earn it, but we give ourselves to him. We receive what he has offered, and in return we say, okay, I'm choosing to lay my life down. I'm choosing to give myself fully to you. I'm offering myself. You can have my life, do everything that you want in it. I'm yours. Lead me, guide me, whatever you want to do. So Gideon prepares his offering and uh, he brings it back. And the angel of the Lord says, okay, put it on the rock. Puts it on the rock, and lays it all out, right? And he takes, he had a rod in his hand. He reaches towards it, touched it, and it says fire came out of the rock and consumed the offering. God answers with fire, and uh, that is, I mean, it happens multiple times. God is a God, I mean, He is a burning, consuming fire. And when we become part of His plan, part of His kingdom, then that fire should become part of our lives. I mean, we should get set on fire. I mean, we should be excited about the Lord. We should be different than the world because the fire of God is in you. You should be different. But it begins with some kind of an offering. You have to give yourself. You know, if you want to have the fire of God in your life, you have to commit yourself a little bit. You have to say, Lord, I want to seek you. I want the fire. I'm willing to pray. I'm willing to read the Bible. I'm willing to come to church. I'm willing to worship. I'm willing to give myself to you because I want all that you have. I make myself available. If you don't make yourself available, God is not going to force himself on you. I mean, what what if Gideon, when the angel of the Lord appeared, he says, ah, I'm busy. I'm threshing wheat. You know, maybe you can come back tomorrow or some other day. No, he made himself available. I mean, he saw that something significant was happening. He said, "Okay, here's a, here's an opportunity. Here's a chance, an opportunity for me to experience uh, something different with God. I want to be different. I want something to be different for our people. I'm desperate. It has to be an acceptable offering, and the acceptable offering that God has given is His Son." It all begins with an acceptable offering. Revelation 13:8. all who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of, the li- uh, book of life of the Lamb will be slain from the foundation of the world. So it said, what I was reading that far is to say that he is, Jesus is, the Lamb of God who was slain from the foundation of the world. He's always been the acceptable offering. In all of the the Old Testament uh, sacrificial system and everything that was done, he was the the source of all of that. He has always been behind all of that. It was all pointing towards what he would do. Those were temporary coverings. They provided a covering for sin, but they couldn't remove sin. But when Jesus died, his blood, it's not a temporary deal. It is a permanent removal. It removes sin once and for all. When he presented his blood on the altar, it was once for all. The lamb slain from the foundation of the world. That's what it all points towards. That's why God says you need to offer a blood sacrifice because it's all pointing to what Jesus would do. We need to understand that. Second Corinthians 5:21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. When he offered himself, he was, he was perfect, he had not sinned, he knew no sin, and when he offered himself, he did it taking our sin upon himself. I mean, that is, a, that is an exchange that is so miraculous and, and amazing that we can't really fully comprehend that, that he who was perfect took all of our sin, all of our failures, all of our rottenness, all of our guilt and shame, and he said, I'm going to take it, I'm going to bring it all, I'm going to bear it all. He took it all on himself so that we could be in a relationship with God. He took it all so that we can be in relationship with God. You have to offer yourself, though. And Gideon offered himself, he offered himself by being willing to, to go to battle. I mean, that, because here he just got these say, you know, they're, they're, they're coming in like uh, locusts. There's so many of them. They got, you know, donkeys and camels and their army is so big we can't even count them all. And so he said, okay, God, if this really is you, I'll go. Even though he tried to argue about it, like most everybody does, when God gives them a job to do, they start saying, well, I don't know, I'm, uh, 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 Moses said, man, I'm not a good talker, I stutter and stammer, and, uh, Jeremiah said, man, I'm just a, I'm just a youth, you know, and Isaiah said, oh, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm unworthy, and, uh, I'm, from, you know, I'm, uh, you know, everybody's got an excuse. I've had my share of excuses. I think we all do at times. Because when the Lord comes to you and tells you what he wants you to do, sometimes it's, it's kind of overwhelming. You know, when he told Gideon, Hey, mighty man of valor. Gideon's like, uh, uh, Excuse me? Are you talking to me? I don't see any mighty man of valor. I'm hiding out in a, in a hole over here. You know, I know mighty man of valor. What are you talking about, man? So, Yeah. Sometimes when, when the Lord comes to you and asks you to do something, it's, it kind of freaks you out. You're a little bit over, overwhelmed. Like, whoa, are you sure? But if you will just allow the Lord to work his work in you, you can begin to see yourself a little more like God sees you. Because God sees us as mighty men of valor. God sees us as the ones who can bring deliverance. God sees us as the ones who can accomplish great and mighty things. That's the way God sees it. We see ourselves as the failures and the flops and the flaws and the broken vessels and, you know, all the different things you can say. God says, no, you can do it. You can do it. (laughs) You can do it because I am going with you. I'm going before you, I'm going with you, and I am going to give you the strength and empower you to do it. You can do it. And when you accept that, God will take care of his part. Luke 9:23, Jesus said, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You've got to offer yourself. If you want to experience all the things that God wants to do in your life, you've got to make yourself available. I mean, it's not a one-time thing where you just pray a prayer at the altar once and think everything's good. You've got your ticket punched for heaven. You know, eternal life is great, but we have a life right now, and we're supposed to be walking in an abundant life right now. We're supposed to be doing the things that God has called us to do now, and it's not supposed to be something that we just wait for until we get to heaven. So when you offer yourself, you will begin to see that God will work in you and through you. And when you give your, your life to the Lord and your life is, is with the Lord, you'll see that it produces peace in your life. Now Gideon, verse 22, perceived that the angel of the Lord had been talking to him. And, and he said, oh, alas, O Lord, for I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. I mean, he just knew I'm a goner. I'm going to die because there's no way I can see God face to face and live. This is how you understand what God's peace is all about. It's so much more than just not being anxious. Because what the answer is, he says, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. That's what God's peace is all about. Is that, yeah, you're unworthy. You don't deserve grace. You don't deserve my mercy. And yet, I'm going to give it to you anyway. You deserve death, but you're not going to die because I have put my peace on you. Because he's given us his peace, we can be assured that we can approach God, we can know God, and we don't have to worry about retribution or wrath. We don't have to worry about death. We don't have to worry about all those things because we know that's what his peace does. It brings peace between him and us, and we don't have to be fearful of eternal death. We don't have to be fearful of eternal judgment. We can be confident that God will accept us. And it's going to be okay. No more fear. Gideon built an altar there and he called it the Lord is peace. Jehovah Shalom. He understood. When he understood that God, even though they had rebelled, seven years they'd been rebelling. And, they, and, and because their rebellion, seven years of Midianites have been tormenting them. And I don't think it's any mistake that God said, take that, that young bull, the second one, the one that's seven years old, and offer that bull, and we're going to get things right again. When you have the acceptable sacrifice, God puts everything in order, and everything begins to work right again. No more fear. Jesus in John 14 said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. It's not as the world gives that I give to you. And he said, Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. If you have God's peace in your life, you shouldn't have fear. John 16, These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world that's what peace is all about knowing that God has overcome and that when we are walking in a relationship with God there is no reason that we should be walking in fear because he's got it all under control I say this all the time and I really do mean it it's kind of a little cliche but it's all good it's all good and sometimes it may not be all that good but in my mind it's all good because I know that God is gonna take care of me it's gonna be okay you know, if the monitors work, it's okay. If the monitors don't work, it's okay. It's all okay. This is all so temporary. Don't let, don't let your peace get disrupted over temporary things. Think about what we have in eternity. Think about all the good things that God's done. That'll get you excited. You don't have to worry about all the bad things. Think about all the good things. I'd rather think about the good stuff than the bad stuff. Isaiah 26:3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You fix your mind on the Lord, and I guarantee you, you'll find yourself walking in peace. You fix your mind on your problems, you're going to be walking in fear and anxiety, and you're going to be worried and stressed and always fretting over all the details. Philippians 4, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You get tired of being anxious, you get tired of worrying, get your eyes on Jesus. We ought to have an abundant life. If you're walking with the Lord, your life ought to be abundant, it ought to be full, it ought to be overflowing. That word means uh, it's uh, super, superfluous. Oh, that's a big word. (laughs) You got to think about that or you'll say it wrong. Uh, Yeah. So... It's more. It's super abundant. That's what the abundant life is. It's more than you can hold. It's more than you can manage. It's more than you can imagine. It is more than all that. It's poured out on you in abundance. In this story, you skip over, you know, I'm, I'm not even going to talk about the battle where they defeated the Midianites. God took them down to just 300 men because he said, if I leave it with 10,000, You're going to think you did it because of your own strength and your own ability to fight. I'm going to get it down to where it's an impossibility and you'll know that it was a miracle. So God defeated the Midianites. And then at the end of of the chapter uh, 8, it says, Thus Midian was subdued before the children of Israel so that they lifted their heads no more. The country was quiet for 40 years in the days of Gideon. 40 years of peace because... They got back in right relationship with God. Ephesians 2, verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one. He has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. He came and preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near. He's talking about Jews and Gentiles, but can I just say that it's applicable to all of us because we were far away from God. We had no peace in our lives, and he came, and he said, I want to give you my peace. He made, through his peace, he broke down the wall of separation between Jew and Gentile, but he also broke it down between us and God. He tore the veil so that we can go into the very presence of God. That's how He did that by his flesh, his body. He made peace between us and God by his sacrifice of himself. That is so significant because that peace is what we all need. That's what's wrong with the unbelievers. That's what's wrong with us before we know him. We're miserable because we don't have that right relationship. We need that peace between us and God so that that we are in relationship with him. He's torn all that down. He made that available. And if you don't know the Lord... He's offering it to you. It's there. He's saying, come, all, all who are heavy laden and weary. You guys have been working so hard all your life trying to figure it out. I've got a plan for you. I've got peace. I've got the easy plan. All you got to do is trust me. Trust me. Trust in what I did. Second Timothy 1. Worship team, y'all can come back. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us, called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which, he, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. It all happened through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we read this story today, the appearing of the angel of the Lord. It was Jesus the appearing of Jesus changes everything. And when you begin to accept Jesus, who he is and what he has done, it changes everything in your life. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind.
0: Mm-hmm. Hallelujah.
1: That sound mind. In a way, that's peace. That's what <laughs> peace really is. It's, it's the ability to, to be disciplined and to be in control and to be at peace, to not be all chaotic in your thinking and all anxious and worried and stressed out. He's given us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. He's given us his peace. It's the ability to to do life and to prosper. How many want to prosper in life? Amen. I'm in. Amen. I'm in. All right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to we're going to stand and we're going to worship. And as we do, uh, I want you to be thinking about this. If, you, if you've got stress in your life, you've got fear, you've got anxiety, you've got issues in your life, then I would just encourage you to just lay it all down. and Say, Lord, I want to trust you. So as we, as we worship, stand, and let's just give all of our cares. It says, cast all your cares on him for he cares for you.
0: Hallelujah.
1: You can dump it all on him. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to worry about if he's going to accept it. He will accept you, and he will take away all that you bring and lay at his feet. Amen. Let's worship. We need you more and more and more. When we sing this next song, I'm, I'm just going to invite you to come. If you if you want special prayer for anything, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord and you'd like to make Him your Savior, or if you if you've done that in the past but you like the children of Israel, you've been walking and doing your own thing for a while and you. have and you realize that things are not going quite right and you need to get back into that right relationship, And this can be a time you can give yourself back to the Lord and make things right, get back into that peace between you and the Lord so that everything is, is right. Yes. You don't have to be fearful. You don't have to be worried about uh, retribution or wrath or, or judgment. You want to have God's peace. Yes. Sir. Today is a day that you can receive that. If you want that, someone will meet you at the altar and pray with you. If you have special prayer needs, I invite you to come. And the rest of us, let's continue just to, to worship the Lord and let him speak to you about how he can fill you with his peace. Yes. And how he you can Jesus. cause you to experience that peace that passes all understanding oh, and to hallelujah. keep your heart and mind. Yes,
0: sir. In
1: Jesus' name. It's sure. so That is one of the great revelations of your peace to us is that you're making all things new, Lord. Mm, When you you, bring your peace into our lives, it makes all things new. All the things that used to stress us and all the things that used to cause us fear and anxiety, all those things are being made new in you. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, because your peace passes all of our human understanding.
0: Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank
1: you, Lord. Reveal yourself to us now as we go and as we go our own ways, Lord. I pray that each one of us would, would have this word of who you are, Jehovah Shalom. The mm-hmm. Lord is our peace.
0: Yes,
1: thank you. Seal Lord. that word in our hearts, Lord, so that we know you yes. as the God that has provided peace mm-hmm. and is our peace, yes. so that we can be in right relationship with you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and grant you His perfect peace.
0: Hallelujah.
1: Perfect peace. Shalom, shalom.
0: Thank you,
1: Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week. Don't come Wednesday night. You'll be all by yourself if you do. But come back Sunday. And by the way, if you want to eat anything at that banquet, you better start telling me something. Maybe... Put, a, put your name on a card, how many people are gonna be, put it in the box or something. If you wanna work at uh, Christmas on the Square, you can do the same thing. We might do some things a little different this year because it's uh, two days in a row, Christmas on the Square one day, and Kirk and Karen will be here the next day. It's gonna be a little, uh, little stressful doing two activities back to back, but we might do it anyway. So let me know.